how are you now? Ho ho ho. How are you? Hope everybody's doing terrific. Folks, we're here to talk about the Montreal Canadiens versus the Tampa Bay Lightning at the Bell Center on a wonderful Tuesday night. The Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, who played the night prior in Toronto and uh, actually lost in overtime after giving up a 4-1 lead. You'd think going into this game, um, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, they must have a pretty good shot at taking this one, at, at staying at home in the Bell Center with two points at the start of a very rough stretch for them in their homestand. Uh, we're going to get to all of that, of course. We're going to get to the recap, but before we do, the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and run, rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is going to start. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And... Let's talk about it, all right? Um, I already mentioned it. The Lightning coming off of a loss in which they blew a 4-1 lead in Toronto. They got to travel to Montreal the very next night. You would think that the Habs would be the far fresher team at the very beginning of this game, but dear Lord, would you be wrong. Um, Jake Allen was awarded the Molson Cup right ahead of this game for the month of October as the player of the month for the Montreal Canadiens. And 26 seconds into the fucking game, neutral zone turnover by Tanner Pearson. Brandon Hagel comes in, throws a cross-ice pass to Nikita Kucherov, basically at the top of the other circle. He lets go a long clapper. I felt like Jake Allen should have had that one, but it goes in and it's one nothing. Less than 30 seconds into the game. Then less than eight minutes into the game, Alex Newhook can't take the puck from Nikita Kucherov at the defensive blue line. Uh, Nikita Kucherov just kind of hanging onto it and you know it's sticking to his stick. And uh, he works it down to Steven Stamkos. Stamkos gets a shot on goal. The rebound goes directly to Nick Paul, untouched on the back door, and he puts it into a wide-open net. It's 2-0 for the Lightning shortly after that. Uri Slokowski gets caught for a holding penalty. Mike Matheson, this time he's standing in front of his net, and he deflects an Alex Barré-Boulet shot directly into his own net with his skate. It is 3-0 for the Bolts. It is a shit show for the Montreal Canadiens at this point. And then, just to make matters worse, uh, Michael Essimon, uh he looks offside uh, at the uh, defensive blue line, or at the Montreal Canadiens blue line, rather. And I guess it wasn't. Uh, there was no challenge on this after the fact from the Montreal Canadiens. The angle that they gave me on TV wasn't very good, but he looked offside to me. I was kind of surprised they didn't challenge. But anyways, Mike Matheson just does a weird little nonchalant skate by at the blue line. Doesn't even try to get the puck. Uh, and ends up basically at the red line, kind of just watching this whole play unfold. And uh, Estimon just walks down and goes short side over Jake Allen's shoulder. Um, if you didn't feel like the uh, the second goal, rather, or not the second goal, the first goal was one that he should have had. This one, he absolutely has to make a save on. You can't let that go over your shoulder. It's 4 nothing, and that is the end of the night for Jake Allen. So it seems that uh, Martin Saint-Louis agreed with me, at least on that goal, and it's not something that he can be letting in. Um, so some 
subpar goaltending for the Montreal Canadiens in that period, for sure. Down 4 nothing at the end of the first period. You don't want to lay that entire thing at the feet of Jake Allen, though. Um, it was a really poorly defended period by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Mike Matheson was shockingly bad. Um, the, the the forwards in the neutral zone were shockingly bad. Uh, namely, uh, I'm looking at you, Newhook. Um, they, there was just some rough, rough, rough moments. Um, really really didn't like anything that I saw in that period. We go into the second period hoping to see a little bit better, right? Hoping. And they do get a little bit better in the second period. Honestly, the 5-on-5 play was not that bad, uh, but still not great. And then we get a ridiculous sequence of events. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky gets boarded by Tanner Genel, and then Cole Caulfield gets hooked with the puck afterwards, and it leads directly to a breakaway for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The refs don't call anything, goes down the ice, Arbor Jacki ends up fighting Tanner Genel, and somehow at the end of all this, Tampa ends up with a power play. They called Cole Caulfield for a trip after he got hooked, which set up the entire breakaway, and they didn't call it. Um, just ridiculous. Luckily, the Habs are actually able to kill that off, and for the rest of the period, it was relatively even. Now, you got to wonder how much of that is score effects, how much of that is the Lightning being tired and just kind of playing possum with the Habs. Um, I don't know, but we go into the third period, and the score is still 4 nothing. and your Montreal Canadiens all of a sudden start playing hockey. They start getting power plays as well as a result of actually playing fucking hockey. And about seven minutes in on their second straight power play, uh, power play has been pretty rough for them in this game, but all of a sudden they get one. Nice zone entry by Sean Monaghan. He gets it out to Cole Caulfield on the right wing. Caulfield kind of sells shot a little bit, but goes across over to Nick Suzuki and he hammers it through everyone, including Matt Tompkins, the goaltender for the Lightning, who had been pretty good up to that point in that game. And it's four to one. A minute or so later, we get a shot on goal. It's trickling out the other side. Michael Pizzetta gets to it and he puts it in the net on the doorstop, a doorstep rather. It's four to two. What the fuck are we going to have a comeback here? Are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to blow another big lead? Hang on though. Final eight minutes of the period, the Habs can barely get a shot on net. Tampa is basically just trapping. Um, They're not trying to get a whole lot on Montreal's net. They're just doing a very effective job of preventing the Montreal Canadiens from getting out of their zone. The Habs, as I've said many, many, many times this season, way too cute with their zone exits. Uh, Alex Newhook got caught from behind and stripped of the puck multiple times. Josh Anderson got caught from behind and stripped of the puck multiple times. It's just, you got to keep your feet moving, man. And the Habs struggling to get anything going. And then, of course, with about three minutes left on the clock, Jake Evans gets a holding penalty. And fuck your comeback. Nick Paul on the doorstep makes it 5-2. to two. Christian Dvorak did come screaming down the left wing and sniped one far side, top corner, to make it 5-3. But there was only 18 seconds left on the clock. You can't do a whole heck of a lot with that. And 5-3 to three is your final in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Shockingly bad. Shockingly bad. Um... Look, I I know I complained about the refs a little bit when I was talking about that second period there. And one thing that I want to make very clear, uh, just in case anybody who listens to this happens to follow me on Twitter, and if you ever get a mind to send me a tweet where you're like, oh, it's not the refs' fault that they're losing, I never said that. Sometimes when I complain about the officiating, I'm just complaining about the officiating. You know, I I happen to be a former ref, and I like to uh, see a game that's properly officiated. This one was not properly officiated. They missed a lot of shit. Um, They missed shit on Montreal, too. Uh, It's just that that was the one sequence that stuck out for me. So sometimes when I complain about the rest, I'm just complaining about the rest. What sunk the Montreal Canadiens in this game was two things. Number one, they didn't show up to start the game, right? I always keep reading these ads at the beginning of every podcast. Bet online where the game starts. The Habs, they didn't fucking show up 
for the start of this game at all. Jake Allen didn't show up for this game at all. So there's two problems there, right? The team in front of him did not show up on time for this thing. And he didn't show up on time for this thing. So you had bad goaltending and you had a team that showed up looking like they were the ones that played into an overtime game in Toronto last night. And that's unacceptable. Um, it's completely unacceptable. It's not, it's, it's not a matter of wins and losses. Right? I don't care if this team loses a bunch of games this year and they get a good draft pick. I think that's good for the rebuild. Um, but I, I do care when they just don't show up to start a game like this. Like that's that's not something you can have. It's it's demoralizing. It's embarrassing. Um, they were getting booed by the fans uh, pretty early on in this one. Um, the fans were getting sick of that power play as well when the power play was being really futile uh, at the start of the second period or at the start of the third period rather. Uh, and they eventually broke through and they scored and then they started playing. And it's like. You know, you saw there was about a, I don't know, I want to say eight-minute stretch of that third period where you went, where was this team for the other 40 minutes? And it's not that they were completely horrible in the second period. The second period was, eh, it was, it was a period, right? It wasn't, it wasn't particularly good, but it wasn't particularly bad either. It was the first 10 minutes or maybe 12 to 15 minutes, really, of the first period where they just, they didn't show up, and that's why they lost. And, you know, you could make a pretty compelling argument to, to lay this one at, at the feet of Jake Allen. Um, like I said, there was at least at least two of those goals uh, were completely unacceptable, goals that just can't go in. But, you know, if they actually show up in front of him, I, I think some of those opportunities don't exist. You know, Newhook not being able to take the puck off Kucherov at the defensive blue line, like, you have to get that puck. At the very least, you got to push him. Get your shoulder into his chest and push him out of the zone. I don't know. Do anything other than just kind of fart around and, and try to strip the puck from him. And then every time that you're trying to get out of your zone, you also happen to get stripped. Like, oh, um, man, I, I got to say something positive. So let's go to our silver lining of the night, I guess. Uh, it's really hard for me to draw a positive from that game, but I, I could give you a couple. Um, let's start with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki maintaining their point paces. Uh, Cole Caulfield with a big assist on Nick Suzuki's goal. Um, the problem being that that line was pretty ineffective at five on five on the night, which, uh, you know, might have to take a look at the coaching staff a little bit on that one. I don't know how you can't put them in a position to succeed against a team that's tired from playing the night before all the way into overtime in Toronto and had to travel to Montreal to play against you and you have last change and you can't put your top line in a position to succeed. Eh, either they're terrible which I don't think is the case, or you're not working the matchups as well as you probably could have. I don't know. Maybe got outcoached a little bit by John Cooper there, but you know the good news is they're still producing. They're still finding a way to produce. Um, and Uri Slavkovsky as well uh, as part of that line. I thought I felt like he got better as the game went on. It was really rough in the early goings, and it got better for him. So um, you know adjustments, something to be said for that. Um, overall, not bad. And then your other silver lining of the night, um, was the fourth line. The fourth line was excellent. Um, they gave you energy in that game. Uh, Michael Pizzetta kept the comeback going by getting that second goal for them. Of course, they took that gift and they threw it directly into the Célérin and uh, watched it sail away under the bridges. So, uh, <laughs> uh, man, that pisses me off. See, I can't even get through the positive part of the podcast without getting upset because that's how <laughs> that's how pissed off I am at that game. Um Man, but yeah, the, the fourth line was great. Um, they really did uh, even better than you could possibly expect from a fourth line, uh, especially in a game where the rest of your lines kind of were kind of just there. Um, and I guess here's your final positive is if you take a look at natural stat trick and, uh, you know, go through the statistics a little bit, it really wasn't 
all that bad for the Habs. At, at five on five, they had almost 60% of the high danger scoring chances. Um, so the regular, just standard scoring chance numbers were not as favorable. The Lightning had 20 to 14, so about 60% in their favor for regular scoring chances. But the high danger scoring chances, so getting to the slot, the Habs were doing that better than the Lightning. Um, I don't know how much you can hang your hat on that, given that, as I've said a few times already, this team played last night and they went to overtime in Toronto and then had to travel. Uh, but take from that what you will. They were the better team at getting to the slot. And usually, if you can be the better team consistently at getting to the slot, you're giving yourself a good chance to win. Um, and here's a final positive. I like that even in a loss, you know, they're they're getting three goals. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm reaching at this point. I, I like that they're putting up some, some goals. And I like that they showed a little bit of fight at the end of the game, even if it was too little, too fucking late. Um, it's, it's nice to see them not, you know, just hang their head and, and quit. But look, un- unfortunately, that's about all the positives that I can draw from this game as much as I reached for them. And now we got to talk about some negatives. And it starts with uh, Mike Matheson. Um, this is the second game in a row, and I talked about it in the last episode of Habs and Minded as well. So I don't know what I can say here that's that's new. And anybody who watched that game is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. What the fuck is he doing out there? I mean, that Estimon goal where he kind of just like looped around him and then skated along the boards up to the red line, I don't. Like, that doesn't even look to me... Like, the the last episode, I opined, you know, maybe he's playing hurt. And again, I want to... Before I get into that conversation, I want to state very clearly, I am not a doctor. I am not privy to any medical information from the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know that he's playing hurt. I suspect that he might be. But that play didn't look like a guy playing hurt. That looked like just an absolute brain fart of epic proportions. What are you doing doing a flyby like that? If the guy's got the puck in his feet, like put your shoulder into his chest and knock him on his ass. Take the puck. You can't just float by him and find yourself in the neutral zone with nobody back to defend. If that's what you're going to do, you're better off not engaging in the puck battle at all. Get into your position and be there to D it up. Nobody was there. Now again, if we're just going to talk about that specific goal, yes, Jake Allen should have made that save. That's not a shot that should ever go in. But... As I mentioned, when I said you can't really lay this at the feet of Jake Allen, if you make the play, then the play never exists for that shitty goal to go in. So as much as you can say, well, we could have got better goaltending, we would have been in that game. Yeah, you also could have mitigated some of those possibilities in the first place. And that was one of them. And that one really, really grinds my gears. Uh, because I don't understand what he was even trying to do there. I think he thought he was just going to skate through and magically get the puck on his stick and head up ice and go score a hero goal and get the Habs back into this game, which, you know, if that's what he was thinking, I mean, I I like the thought. I like the idea of getting a goal and being down 3-1 instead of being down 4-0, but the execution, man, (sighs) I'm reminded of that John Gruden meme. I want better execution. You hear me? I want better fucking execution. Um, Man, his execution is non-existent at this point. Uh, there was multiple plays in that first period in particular where, he, where it was just mind-boggling. The decisions that he was making with the puck, his positioning without the puck. Um, I, I think I might have been too hard on him during the recap there when I said he redirected into his own net. I mean, it's a shot, and he's just trying to get in front of it. But 
you know, it was just a comedy of errors from him in that first period. He did get a little bit better as it went on. Uh, I'll give him credit. Like, uh, he, he made some plays in the third period where I went, oh, it was not too bad. But then it just makes me even more mad about what I saw in the first period. Because, like, now I know that you're capable of doing better. So, again, big roundabout way for me to get back to my my thought, which is I think he's I think he's nursing something. I don't know what it is. I think it goes back to that uh, that game against the Jets where he left uh, and didn't come back, and then he never missed any time. And it's it's making me wonder. It's making me wonder because the team's never going to tell us that he's playing hurt. They'll wait until he eventually goes on IR or something, and they'll go, well, he's been injured for the last like six or seven games or so, and we're all going to collectively go, why was he in the lineup then? Why? I don't know. Um it's looking pretty rough for him right now, and I'm going to reiterate uh, for anybody who hasn't listened to the most recent episode of uh, Habs and Minded, what my suggestion would be is drop him down. Uh, he's he's got to go down and play like third pair of minutes. You got to get him matched up against uh, shittier competition and give him an opportunity to figure it out. Because right now, you know, playing him at at the top of your defensive pairings is just not going to cut it. And before I even finish that thought, I want to take a look and see if I'm right about that. Oh, well, actually, Caden Gooley was the most used defender in that game. So Caden Gooley has usurped him for the number one spot on the team in terms of usage. Um, and But that's not enough for me. I think I need to see Jordan Harris above him. I need to see Justin Barron getting more minutes. I frankly need to see Arbor Jacki getting more minutes than him at this point. I'm not uh, expecting it in that game because obviously Jacki spent some time in the penalty box as well, so it would have been impossible, but... Um, that's what I want to see. I want to see him drop down playing third pair minutes. Um, and I know that might be tough on some of the other players to have to step up in competition, but right now he is shockingly bad. Um, him alone, if he was, you know, playing well in the first period, it could have made a significant difference for the Habs. Uh, maybe if he was just playing less in the first period, it could have made a significant difference from the Habs. Um, so yeah, that's, (laughs) that's pretty much it. Um, really, really concerned uh, about his level of play at this point. Uh, and I would say the same for Alex Newhook and for Josh Anderson. They're both far too nonchalant when they're traversing the neutral zone and coming out of their own zone. It's like they stop moving their feet, they get caught from behind, they get pickpocketed. Tampa's got a lot of players that are good at pickpocketing, but this is not just this game. This has been for a while now. I've been harping on this in multiple recaps where they're just too cute coming out of their own zone. They stop moving their feet. They're scanning around looking for the pretty pass. Just move your feet. Neither of you are slow players. What are you guys doing slowing down on purpose? Like, that's not your game. You guys got to move. And I hope that's something that they can correct in short order because it is so frustrating to see it happen multiple times. Like, there was a sequence in the third period where it happened to both of them within, like, a 15-second span. Newhook got pickpocketed, and then they went back into the zone, and then Anderson was trying to come out, and he got pickpocketed. And I was like, Ugh! Ooh, you guys are both way too fast for this to be happening to you with regularity. Like, move your feet. Um, man, outside of that, I don't know. Um... Jake Allen's trade value took a huge hit in that game. That was a rough one. Um, hopefully he can rebound a little bit because I can't see the Edmonton Oilers being too interested in his services if they were watching that game. Uh, Samuel Montembeau's trade value, though, if you're looking to trade him, it definitely went up in that game because he was excellent in relief. He only allowed the one goal, and it was uh, that power play one at the end there. So, uh, you know, I guess good and bad there. Um, 
And wait, well, I guess one final positive that I didn't really mention other than in the recap, uh, Christian Dvorak got that goal with 18 seconds left. Maybe that's the kick in the ass that he needs to start producing. I really think he's a player that they're probably looking to move uh, before the trade deadline. So uh, production is going to be very important to that end if they want to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, he, he got one and it was a pretty one too. So um, hopefully something that he can build off and uh, start having a bit... Uh, a, a bit more going on for him for the the rest of the season and uh, we'll we'll see what happens at the deadline time so um that was a pretty shitty game and um we got three very tough ones coming up i mentioned that before i even got into the recap uh their next three games are not going to be easy they've got detroit on thursday and then they've got boston on saturday and then they've got vancouver on sunday so they got a murderer's row at least currently the murderer's row of the NHL, of the Eastern Conference and of the Western Conference coming up for them, uh, including a very nasty back-to-back with Boston and Vancouver on the weekend. So uh, they don't have very long to figure this out. Otherwise, we might be in for three really rough ones coming up. I hope that's not the case, but I'll be here recording bottom six minutes. And uh, if, uh, if they are really bad, you can come back and see if maybe I start raging even harder for the next episode. So we're going to cut it off there before I do start raging for real. What are we running? Over 21 minutes. So since soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. How fitting on a night where the fourth line was arguably the best line for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, <laughs> we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Drop me a follow at DrakeMT. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.